Welcome to the Pantheon Plus Rewind. What's up and welcome to episode 110 of The Rewind. It's time for your weekly recap of the news, views, and content surrounding Pantheon Rise of the Fallen, the upcoming MMORPG by Visionary Realms. This week, we're talking about the art and world-building update we got in the July development update stream from VR. We're discussing a philosophical issue, and we're heading back to the campfire to continue the tale of Thalen Greyborn in the Dead Storm Valley. So set your sights on the heights of Avengers Pass, and join me, Theric, and my ascending co-host, Desiren, in this week's Rewind. All right, Desiren, I have an update on the holiday plan. Ooh. I did nothing. I got nothing. Done. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to be like, okay, 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 let me live vicariously through you. Oh, well, okay, that works. <laughs> no, I, that works too. <laughs> I mean, I have so many distractions in my life. That's the problem. I have, I have fun distractions. And, and sometimes I feel like I just, I feel like doing something... I want to do what I feel in that moment. I don't always want to follow the list. And so I read half the book I had earmarked. I, I played some games, but not the ones I intended. Um, <laughs> you know, just I tried to tried to do it, but it ended up not being exactly uh, to the plan. But that's fine. I was busy doing nothing, which was good. Yeah, nice amount of spontaneity. That's that's pretty good. That's right. You got to be spontaneous. You got to live in the moment, I say. <laughs> you know who else is living in the moment? Oh, yeah, I do our adventuring party or should I say raid party because it's huge again every week and so here is some of them we have ziplocks on the dark mer rogue sparrow on the elf ranger bounty coat on the human wizard screech on the scar bard wiki woo on the human enchanter shuriken on the dwarf cleric horsesaurus on the human warrior fury wrath on the archai summoner pavejo on the gnome wizard and feldrin on the dark mer paladin and I want to say congratulations as well to Jack Whisper, who won themselves a Watcher's Pledge during the premiere last week. Um, you know, and in fact, it was kind of funny, actually, because speaking to them afterwards, they told me they had their whole family uh, was there for the show. And I remember during the chat seeing all the the, the Whisper, different names with Whisper as the last <laughs> yeah. name. And when I talked to them afterwards, they said, yeah, that was like my family. They were all coming out and they're all going to play Pantheon together. Oh, that's Awesome. Cool. Right? A family that plays together stays together. I am a strong believer in that. If uh, if I had more gamers in my family, we might be uh, we might be a little uh, <laughs> we might be extra. Your vacation well might off. be uh, a little more family. <laughs> yeah, family exactly. You could say family oriented if you're gaming together. <laughs> that's yeah. That's totally right. Hundred percent. Totally, totally. So I really was encouraged to hear that, and I enjoyed speaking to them. Um, so if you want to, um, if you want to join the adventure party slash raid party, uh, you can do so via the super chat, uh, and you can also do so do so by going through going to our Patreon campaign. Uh, if you can't be around for the premiere, so you can enter that way too. But again, all any support is always welcome, and we appreciate each and every one of you for just being here and hanging out with us today. So, we got a big show, lots to talk about. So, having said all that, Desrin, you ready to start the climb? Let us ascend! This week in Visionary Realms News and Notes. Awesome. So, VR News and Notes. Okay, so we got the VR July developer stream that came on Thursday, July 14th. 
as I said, it was called World Building and Art Update. But as usual, you know, there's more going on here than just some pretty pictures. Uh, we did get some really significant news. And we got a few beans dropped in chat during the stream and uh, as well on Pantheon Plus U afterwards. So we're going to hit some of those highlights. Now let's start with the, the uh, VR team continuing to expand. And that's uh, something we've commented on now several weeks in a row, Des. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, this week we uh, we got to see a ton of new concept art from Brett Knuckles, uh, one of VR's newly hired environment concept artists. So they showed the Port of Thronefast, uh, a Corsairan temple, the town of Avalia, and, and a few more places as well. And we actually saw not only his artwork, but we also saw a 3D rendering of his artwork, which he did as well. So he's apparently a man of very many talents, which <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. is Great to see them hiring people with multi, you know, multifaceted abilities. Uh, speaking of 3D models, we also saw one of the other newly hired VR staffers. That's Leonardo Evangelisti, uh, environment artist and world builder. So these were the um, the modular houses and the building kits that they showed. And they've referenced those on the previous streams as being highly important to their world building process. So it's, you know, overall, like it was a really nice showcase for the new artists on the team and Desrin something you and I had suggested actually that they should do once the t- the new team members were sort of on board and everybody was up to yeah, up to speed um now I mean the concept art looked great and and I don't want to anybody to think I, I wasn't happy with it I think they're very <laughs> talented folks um, but honestly I'll give you my first reaction when I saw the concept art I was a little confused and the reason I was confused is because you know, we sort of think linear in a linear fashion about concept art. We're used to seeing it of places that haven't been built in game yet as used to build those places. But the ones we saw were of Thronefast and, and Avalia. And those are both places that we know exist in game form because we've seen them. Um, they did go on to say a little later that the purpose of these was to further develop those areas thematically. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, it kind of made sense more as time goes on. But, um, you know, I guess my my initial reaction was I feel like uh, concept art doesn't really exemplify progress when you know um, these streams are sort of labeled as development updates so I, I and again i'm so i'm not being critical but i am saying that you know i'm not sure about the 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 process here uh, really conveyed a development update let me, but let me ask you guys what, what did you think of this oh uh- I think uh, I think a lot of people were feeling a, a bit of apprehension uh, at first when we like, kind of started to we started out the stream with a bunch of concept art and uh, I, I agree like it, it it kind of it hits a little different at this point right <laughs> um, mm-hmm. yeah exactly and uh, but yeah I think the the fact is that uh, it it was from a new artist first of all so that is kind of uh, in my opinion a plus is uh, it's saying hey we have a new person on the team. Uh, let's show some of their work. And so being it is from a new person, it feels a little bit like progress. Um, but again, mm-hmm. l- like you said, seeing concept art for areas that we've technically seen in game already with without like a lot, they didn't really explain the process so much. Um, yeah. I, I do see why it could feel a little bit like odd, you know, at first. Yeah. I think Minus made a comment. He, I think he realized as they were saying it, like he realized sort of um, that it needed to be sort of contextualized a little bit and did make a comment about it. Um, but at that point I was, you know, I think there was, I was still sort of like uh, trying to understand, you know, why, you know, why is there concept art for something we've seen before? And it goes back to, reminds me of the um, stream where they showed um, the gate, right? And they were talking about how using that concept art in the layers that go into it, right? You had the basic and then you had the overlay and on top of that, you know, and they would go through these different stages with it to try to build out the scene. Uh-huh. Um, 
so, you know, I kind of, I recalled that later on. And like, again, every time I, we watch the streams, I always have more, after I've had some time to reflect on it, I feel a little bit more, um, right. a little better about it, I guess. Um, so, so taking that into account, there was lots of commentary as well from um, VR in the uh, on Pantheon Plus U just sort of, I think Chris Rowan was very clear and I didn't clip his comments here, but he did talk about, you know, the philosophy behind it. You know, it's not about the thing that they're showing in the concept art. It's about the, you know, what's going on there. What is the, um, you know, it, it's adding a bit scene, of context. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, if it's a building, it's not about the building. They may have the building gray boxed, but it's about what do we, how do we see this building? feeling in game yeah actually i'm trying to remember who said it but there was uh it might have been on the plus you um when someone pointed out like we've seen a lot of concept art for specific things um Mm -hmm. out of their context and a lot of this art was more in context uh to capture like the feeling of of being in a place and kind of just the overall layouts and uh, and stuff like that but i do want to kind of touch on this because there is an element of uh placeholder um either art or I don't want to say gray box because it's not always gray box, but uh, assets that are, you know, placed like, hey, this is good now, this this is playable, et cetera. Um, and then to go back and be like, all right, we can iterate on this. And uh, I I see this kind of uh, process as being iterative uh, where, mm-hmm. hey, we have what we have now. Let's put it in and kind of feel it out. And then it makes your iteration process even more effective because you've felt it already and now you can adjust. And I think the concept art was obviously not like, you know, these aren't pieces that probably even took a, a day, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And they're more to really quickly illustrate a vision uh, based on some things that are there, some things that are not there uh, to, again, iterate on the process. So with that kind of... Uh, perspective yeah with that kind of perspective i i feel like this actually makes a lot more sense to see the the flow of building out something to completion because there might even be another concept pass once things are placed uh for additional decoration or uh you know final final art basically right and so yeah uh, i wouldn't be surprised to see concept of avalia once more uh, maybe not but uh it is that kind of iterative approach that i think actually creates some really solid POIs. So it's not a one and done and then we never touch it again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I think that kind of explanation at the beginning could have been really, um, set the tone. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. It, probably. Rather, rather than, <laughs> Here's our monthly update, a bunch of concept art because we didn't know this other stuff was coming. Right. right so right. W- when you take the whole thing in con in, in its entirety, it makes more well, sense. So. And on that uh, note, actually, uh, because we didn't know it was coming, uh, it kind of forms a certain narrative. <laughs> for the stream that you only really get after you've watched the whole thing, which it's totally something that could be good, could be bad. Right. Um, Mm Because you're not going to get to show the whole narrative until, or like if, if someone just like clicks off the stream, they're like, Oh yeah, another concept art. I I honestly don't think that really is going to happen too much, but you know, there might be a, it's something to consider. Yeah. It's something to to think about and the quick explanation might've done well for, but the fact is it's not, Concept art's not the only thing we saw, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. And exactly. So, so like, yeah, you said it's not the only thing we saw. And it wasn't all just visuals of other stuff, too, because there was actually a huge piece of news here. And um, that is that VR has added Steve Clover to their team as a senior programmer. 
Now, the website's already been updated to reflect this. If you go and check it out at PantheonMMO.com, um, I'm not, I was not, and really am still not that familiar with who Steve is, but many, many people are. And uh, Joppa talked about this a lot. He said he uh, was one of the co-creators of EverQuest. He worked closely with Brad McQuaid on a lot of EQ's design, uh, coding, and map layout. And then in uh, on Pantheon Plus U in chat, Joppa uh added in that uh, Steve's reputation and his specific contributions to EverQuest are ridiculously underrated and largely unknown. Um, They said it's a massive win for our team and for this project. So, and Chris Rowan as well was there and and chimed in and added that Steve actually named EverQuest. Yeah. Like, and a a (laughs) lot of other things apparently too. Uh, Yeah. That is unbelievable. I I never knew that. (laughs) that I didn't know that. Uh, but um, so this guy is like, a, you know, a legend in the industry and, and somebody that VR is exceptionally lucky, lucky to have, it sounds like. Um, the community, like I said, has reacted really well to this news. People are really excited. Um, you know, I can't um, comment on its credentials because I don't know, but I do trust people who who do have commented. Like Nathan Napalm uh, was really excited on Plus <laughs> about this. And he, you know, he knows the industry better than I do, I, I would say. And uh, a lot of people do, actually. It sounds like Steve brings a lot to the table is the bottom line. But there are a couple points here I do think we can make um, that, you know, make this more even more interesting. Firstly, Nathan made a point on the show, which bears repeating, and that is big names attract investor attention or just attention in general. And, you know, as you know, Des, Brad's name being attached to this project really can't be understated when it comes to public interest or when totally you know, true, yeah. through the in the early stages of it, right? And as it goes on, it's still you know, in, in his legacy being built. Um, and so I think this is massive from an industry and investment angle. Um, and that's one point. The other point is that I, it, you know, Pantheon needs programmers, <laughs> period. <laughs> as much as we've, you know, seen Kyle's magic, he's still one guy. And, you know, with Steve's name added to the programming section of their website, Pantheon now has four people listed under the programming section. So no matter how talented they are, and they're all exceptionally talented i'm sure mmos aren't programmed by four people you know (laughs) so um maybe they've found some magic to make it happen with you know this small of a programming team but any expansion to the programming team it can't be you know can't be bad so (laughs) desmond let me ask you are you were you or are you familiar with who uh, steve clover is and and then what are your thoughts on this addition to the team well i mean i gotta i gotta be totally honest is that i only kind of vaguely know of steve uh because he worked on on vanguard um and eq of course but uh, i actually just kind of found out that he was involved in like war wizard uh which is i'm sorry that i don't know more about war wizard um other than it was you know a big (laughs) big part of Brad uh, and him getting on the EverQuest team and all that stuff. Um, but I, I, I know that uh, Steve was senior programmer for, uh, I think, all of those titles. Um, and that's that's pretty insane because that's quite a, a span of experience. Um, but I, I'm not the kind of person to, like, <laughs> be really uh, starstruck. Um, like, uh, you know, not to say I don't really respect... Uh, I mean, respect Brad and um, Steve, but uh, to me, it's kind of it's more of just like a sensible thing. I like I think uh, mm-hmm. a few people on the VR team seem to have known Steve in the past, um, some mm-hmm. quite a bit. It seems like a, a lot of the team members over the years have been hired 
because they have worked together before uh, or knew each other. So it kind of makes sense for him to be involved. Um, and I think Joppa did say that, like, Steve reached out to them. So there's something about Pantheon that Steve is interested in. That's um, a really important point. I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. I, I forgot that. You're totally right. And that is really significant. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I think it is a testimony to, you know, the state of the game right now is interesting to a big player in uh, EverQuest, classic MMOs, Vanguard, uh, probably more projects. Because I, I think, uh, was it Chris Rowan alluded to, like, Steve has kind of, like, I've been not incognito. There's another word for that, but like he seems to be like either biding his time or working on all other like unrelated projects. He's, I'm just totally like going off context here, but like he's Steve <laughs> kind of reminds me of like a sleeper agent now. Like for some reason, that's, he's been awoken. Um, <laughs> it's been but, awoken. We, the the dragon has has risen from the layer of, <laughs> of slumber and is now prepared to re-enter the arena of game development. I mean, it, it's fun to think of it like that, right? Yeah, but all, all that to say, like I I don't know too much about him, but you know he's obviously someone very respected, and I'm really glad that Nathan kind of pointed out that a lot of these things, you know, even if I'm not starstruck, like. Uh, they do matter for investors, right? Investor opinion. And, and you know, bottom line is someone that has shipped titles, um, you know, even if some shipped better than others, uh, <laughs> you know, I think it, it does speak pretty loudly. And my hopes that that kind of reputation really serves VR well. And uh, and I, I do trust the devs that have spoken well about him, right? Uh, like yeah. we've we've been over this uh, this journey with these people for long enough that I feel like they have shown that they have really good judgment on uh team members so i think he's going to be a great fit mm -hmm. for the team obviously very experienced and i mean I'm, yeah i i know this announcement is kind of like a really major highlight of the stream even though it was kind of uh just it was it was almost mentioned in casual in passing it, i don't want to say in passing but it you know I'm, I'm sure you'll understand if i don't kind of usher in steve as some like savior of the project but no I, and yeah. i don't think anybody's saying the savior of the project i think I think what's being emphasized is that um, it's like it's like a team trading for a really good player, right? Like, yeah, and, yeah. And they didn't they didn't have to give up anything. It's just that it makes your team better, right? It's just a, it just makes your team better. So uh, the, the the project wasn't you know in trouble, but that's not to say that they can't they don't need a, a programming team that you know is more than you know um, three people. Yeah, they 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 clearly do and. So, I mean, it's definitely a big win. I don't want to minimize that or anything, or or like say I'm like not a not a fan or like. Look, there there's a spectrum. There's Nathan Napalm excited. <laughs> yeah, type. Nathan Bounty Code. I'm gonna call call out Bounty yeah. Code. Oh yeah, about put who Bounty Code there basically too. didn't sleep last side. night apparently because he was so <laughs> excited about Steve Clover. Um, <laughs> I I played EverQuest with Bounty this morning. He's still just as excited. He hasn't even. Oh, I'm sure. Down. I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's on the spectrum, but like, you know, you don't have to be, you know, falling out of your chair to, to recognize this as an important thing. And um, I just can't wait to, you know, get to know him more as we have with other team members. Yeah, and we might be getting to know him. Uh, I This wasn't specifically said, but Minus kind of mentioned that the DRT will be more of a special interview. He did. So... He did. And I brought it up. Yeah, I, I brought it up on Plus U as well. Yeah. And um Maybe, maybe, sure would be cool, you know, so don't know. But, uh, 
That's that's a really cool piece of news. Uh, cool piece of news. But let's get back to the to the eye candy here because um, this is my personal favorite moment from the stream. We got our first look at Silent Plains, at a new zone. It's something that we've been told has been in development for quite a while, but never have seen. Um, and we got this beautiful high angle shot looking oh out, uh, looking <laughs> east over the zone. Um, and it's, you know, what's even better is that if you stuck around for Pantheon Plus U, Joppa uh, shared an even wider shot angle than we saw on the live stream, mm-hmm. on, the, on VR stream with us on Pantheon Plus U. And it goes wider and you can actually see more of uh, Wild's End, more of that on both sides it's really cool and if you're watching this on youtube you're seeing it right now because i'm, I'm going to put it in the video reel here so it's basically like a, a little bit of a pantheon plus exclusive which is cool um and um man like places we haven't seen before like veil of azure so you can see how off the distance and then throne fast and some of the t- parts they talked about in uh, avondir's pass you know tons of little details and um during the stream i did <laughs> make a, a lore mistake which i was <gasps> ashamed of and i called these rocky outcroppings that you're seeing i called them grandfather thorns and and joppa stepped in to correct me as he should saying there's only one grandfather thorn and it's not in this shot he said these smaller thorns are actually deicide thorns which i knew and i'd just forgotten because you know i think i said it last week the lore doesn't fall out of my head while well, i was incorrect it does fall out of my head (laughs) (laughs) so i had a little bit of a lore slip there but um you know this is like i said eye candy but it's not about the visuals the visuals so much for me it's about the scope you know when they talk about um having a sense of this huge world to explore and a sense of arrival is the way that job has said it before um this is what it means to me this kind of a this kind of an image now practically um you know it's huge as well in terms of the sections of the King's Reach map are all sort of falling into place a bit like a jigsaw puzzle. Um, you know, uh, will we see every zone of King's Reach before Alpha? No, probably not. Um, they Just because we aren't seeing them, remember that doesn't mean they aren't done. And, you know, you'll look at the roadmap to Alpha that they have on the website and they've talked about all the zones being basically blocked out to 100%, right? We do this when we cover the newsletter every week. Yeah. Um, and so it, that landscapes are there. There's just no detail in them yet. Um, that's what that means. So this Silent Plains is now gone beyond that stage and is now looking quite nice. And I don't know how much more, you know, I mean, obviously there's more to be developed here and more to go into it. But what was your reaction does to this uh, to this beautiful uh, screenshot? Oh, dude, this this was totally one of my favorite parts of the stream, um, among many favorite parts, if I can cheat a little bit. But so so actually, <laughs> yes, so, 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 oddly, this is my first thought when we uh, were watching it live. And uh, it was because Joppa said, it was taken from the far western side of Silent Plains, right? Um, right. W- which yeah. I actually Im- initially thought that Joppa was like misspeaking or something because like I I see the body of water in there, um, which we can mm-hmm. also see on the terrain map uh, that we got a while ago, but there's like no yep. rivers going to it. And like, so he, he did say it's still pretty early on, but I'll admit kind of in my head, Silent Plains looked a bit more like open and desolate uh than what we have like going by the concept art we've seen it's just beautiful concept mm-hmm. art by the way i love the silent planes concept art um but like I, I wouldn't say it's like a bad thing or anything um and actually after kind of investigating it a little bit more um and hailing back to when Jop is talking about you know he tried to put a player character model on one of the thorns mm-hmm. yep. and he took it out because it was just you couldn't even really see it. And so I think it might actually be the, the size of the thorns being just so insanely huge 
that it's like mm-hmm. messing with my perspective uh, on the whole shot <laughs> because like it could still very much look like planes, but those you know thorns yeah, are I, just so stinking huge that to me it looks more like a forest right now. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. It's like if you were actually shrunk down and put on this map, it would look like a plane because the way, you know, you're so small and, and it's going to be flat from your perspective on the in the game. But from this shot, it you know, it I think it sort of condenses the, the, um, the size a little bit. Yeah, to exactly. Cool our perspective a little bit. Yeah, I know exactly what you yeah. mean. So that's that's a really good observation. Well, well, well speaking of perspective, uh, because that's <laughs> actually my other big point about this shot um, is that in a way we are looking at like a quarter of King's Reach, um, if yep. not more. Uh, so like obviously we're we're going to be missing a lot that's like behind the mountains, all the cliffs, and and uh, but but as far as like the direction, you know, we're looking from the west side of Silent Plains, it seems, um, yeah. towards Thronefast. So that's like kind of northeast, right? Um, mm-hmm. But, the, you know, it's a pretty wide shot. So, you know, on our left, we would be kind of seeing the fringes of the Rhones. On the right, we're seeing a pretty good chunk of Wild's End. Uh, not the whole thing, but, uh, I mean, it, it, this shot is just so crazy. You, you see uh, Sorhirith, um, you know, mm-hmm. the, the trees and little pieces and they point out that you can see the, the, uh, I don't want to say wizard tower. I almost, the <laughs> magical like the tower <laughs> that is, that is in the, the Northern part of throne fast way off in the distance. Yes. Like it is so tiny, but it is present. Um, yes. and we're seeing all that with this huge camera angle, crazy draw distance, um, and not much, uh, atmospheric distortion, which I think I think that's actually uh, kind of part of why the shot kind of fools you with um, with scale a little bit because it's, it's kind of like the opposite of your side mirrors, right? The shot actually makes things look closer than they actually are in some right. parts of the shot, and I think I think the only other MMO I can think of uh, that I've seen this kind of draw distance. Um, especially with the lack of like atmospheric distortion is Mortal Online 2, which has that same effect. Like you look out over this huge, vast expanse and you're like, yeah, those mountains look pretty close. And then you start walking <laughs> and they don't get bigger, <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, there's just so many details in this image. Like even, even for the unfinished zones, uh, like if you get a chance, um, we we actually we post that full resolution image on our Discord, so just download it and and zoom in and just check out all these spaces um, and all the little points of interest that are already starting to crop up. Um, even in you know this is very in progress, obviously, right? Um, mm. It's not going to just be empty space. We're not, like <laughs> this isn't a shot of <laughs> well, hey, look how far away Thronefest is from Silent Plains. Look at all that you know, footwork you're going to have to do. <laughs> no. Yeah. They're, they're already putting content in. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm really ranting, but I, I want to also kind of make note because it, it all looks very brown right now. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, and which kind of makes it look a bit samey. And it was confirmed that, you know, yeah, they're, they're going to continue to build out the zones, obviously. Um, and there's going to be a lot more differentiating between the areas. So it's not all just like brown, you know, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I mean, 
Yeah. Holy moly. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty nice. It's pretty uh easy to just stare at it for a while. But um yeah, you made a good point. I mean talking about the colorization, you know, Joppa did comment on the in, in plus you, uh, just agreeing with you because you brought it up on on the show. Um there's gonna be some improvements there with regard to colorization, so it's not uh yeah, it's not quite gonna have the same tones that, that it will, you know, as as development goes Again, on. Again, like but, as uh, as kind of like magnificent as it is, it's still in progress, right? And yeah. And I yeah. think, okay, so, sorry, <laughs> one more thing. But so something I'm really looking forward to, um, this shot, like, just really encapsulate something that I think a lot of people didn't get from the Wild Zen fly-through, if you remember that, like, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. that's that, like, Pantheon is not a tech demo. Uh, you know, the the Wild Zen, to me, felt more like a tech demo. This feels like a reality. This is what Pantheon is capable at this time. So we're not only getting huge zones, but packed zones. You know, they're already putting POIs. Like, just look at the silent place. Like, there's already, like, so many places you could be like, yep, that's a camp, that's a camp, uh, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a POI, that's, oh, that's probably significant, that's there. And, and Joppa was like, no, this is, like, really, really early. Um, so there's just an insane amount of of hidden areas uh just you know pois just all while you know the engine is totally capable of showing us what's all the way on the horizon that tower you know is an asset and it's showing up um so i i think i could objectively say that that shot is impressive and that feels so good to say yes. about pantheon <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you're not you're you're not easy to please. You are you have a critical eye, and you are a perfectionist, which uh, is one of the reasons I uh, <laughs> respect you so much because you have high standards. So for you to say that is is awesome. But and if you're watching this again, I'm cycling the video in the background from all the video we saw last night or our Thursday night, I should say. Um, but it's just all of it is it looks great. You know, some of those shots of Avengers Pass are, are absolutely amazing, and not just screenshots, a video, right? Like we're actually seeing rendered video so um it's it looks awesome anyway uh so you know that was the the main points and there was a lot more shown but in the interest of time you know i just want to give a a couple final thoughts on uh, the stream having had some time to reflect um you know like i said earlier it started off a bit meh but um you know they really gave a sense of progress with the visuals and and you love to see that we're always you know we're always we always want what we don't get so we don't see visuals (laughs) we want visuals if we get visuals we want you know hard core development stuff but anyway here's my critique of this stream and i like to keep things balanced and uh nothing was said about vinyl and their network's uh implementation yeah i I was shocked that they didn't even mention it that it wasn't even brought up like oh we'll have something in the newsletter next week about it that really surprised me because it it makes me wonder whether it's been successfully implemented there there was a slight delay we know that they talked about it they pushed it to the end of june um, but that's the last word we've had on it. Um, not dimensions, not a comment, you know, nothing. They had 500 people yeah. watching the stream last night. You know, I've said it before. This is their biggest venue in terms of their public awareness. Uh, so it makes me nervous. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. I'm going to hope that when the newsletter comes next week, we'll get an update on it. I mean, I, I think that we have to. I think that would be way more glaring of an omission oh, if yeah. it's not in the newsletter. But here for me, I still noticed it and I was still a little bit um, in the back of my mind having some some concerns and I still am. So um, what do you uh, what do you want to throw in there on that or any other final thoughts you have for this one does? Well, I, I think I would agree that it is a little bit frustrating that, that somehow slipped, you know, slipped their minds, I guess, I, I would assume. 
Yeah. Uh, it's just, oh, yeah. whoops. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's obviously something the community is waiting on. Uh, pretty much with bated breath, I would say. It's just become such a milestone, right? And and that this was just like a concept art stream. Like, if it was just a concept art stream with no mention of vinyl, I'd be so much more critical. <laughs> but but yeah. we really did yeah. see a lot of progress elsewhere. Elsewhere. Um, and I guess while, while I'm, you know, always going to be like starved for gameplay footage, you'll note that I, I didn't critique that because um, we, you know, we did see gameplay footage last stream. So I, I'm honestly mm -hmm. thinking that it's working and they've just kind of already moved on and maybe slipped their mind or, or they're just like, oh, it's in the newsletter, you know, they'll, they'll get it then. Um, but yeah, we, we sure really should have so. got some kind of public mention of it, you know, um, instead of yeah. having to wait for the newsletter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just a little tag at the end saying, you know, hey guys, we know you're, uh, we know you're, uh, you know, want to know about this, and we we were aware of that, and we're going to be talking about it in the newsletter. So stay tuned. You know, yeah. Just the the, the omission is a little bit noticeable. Yeah, and, and like people said, that are particularly like waiting for those things, right? Because people attach, they really attach to those milestones, yeah. and that makes it even more emphasized, right? Um, but, exactly. But I'm I'm actually not too worried about that i just agree it would have been nice but uh yeah. as far as other things though um well, i'm gonna i'm gonna warn our viewers right now because i'm already feeling like this is going to be a bit of a long one uh you guys have said before <laughs> that you you know you don't mind when it goes a bit long but there's so much in this stream that i just kind of i really want to shout out some <laughs> details and uh, cause this, this stream just Go keeps on it. giving. So are, are you, are you, <laughs> you, you gotta be you. you okay. You, okay. Man. Okay. Like buckle up then, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> so, it's about to go off. Here we so go. So first off, uh, these cliffs, um, this is a huge geological change for the, that region. And yes, I said region. Um, I've kind of settled on that. Uh, so the region of throne fast Avendir's pass and, you know, the realm, <laughs> the realm of throne fast, um, <laughs> you know, and possibly more, but at least that whole like Northeast section of King's reach. Um, I think I really, really like this, uh, the kind of the cliffy terraced look. And, and I think, it, it makes the region look really unique, right? Whereas before, I feel like it was less unique. It actually looked very much like Wild's End, um, just, you know, slightly different. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as I said on the plus U, I wouldn't want the entire continent to be like that. So, you know, throw that mm -hmm. in here again. But for now, I think it actually makes that whole area feel really unique. And there's something about that Pretty cliffy... Unique. It 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 looks like you know things were like forced up you know from the earth like regardless yeah. of if that's like how it is but like there's a sense of yeah something happened to the earth and I don't know yeah it gives you a sense of history right a sense of it does um, tectonic activity of some sort that's what I brought up on plus you as I talked about how cool this kind of an effect would be in like white thaw in a in an Arctic region where you've got a similar look but it would obviously be in you know covered in snow yeah and ice. I think this could really look cool in that kind of a biome too. And I, I think it looks really good here. Um, and um, just the aesthetic is, is really neat. And it sort of, like you say, it, it tells a story yeah. uh, just by looking at it. Well, take it from Theric, uh, just, just color it all white. Th and that's your, that's your continent <laughs> of white thaw. 
uh, easy peasy, right. yeah. you know? Yeah. Take, take those North Tusk orcs from green <laughs> to white. We got some, we got some Arctic orcs and, uh, you know, take the gray box, the raccoon and put some white on him and you're good to go. There you go. Modern MMO development right there. <laughs> That's right. Oh, wow. Uh, this, along, alongside that little, uh, little tidbit, um, I think this kind of encapsulates the whole stream is not only the, the prettiness of it, but what it means for gameplay. Um, I mean, more flat places kind of just means it's it's just easier to put extra content. Um, and I'm really expecting a ton of POIs where there would otherwise not, you know, there would just have been a steep, unusable mountain slope, right? Um, and I, they did show the little cliffside dwellings as well. So it's like they kind of get so much more room <laughs> to put things <laughs> It does. It makes a huge difference. Imagine climbing up where we saw that gem, you know, that, that, that node. Oh, uh, yeah. What if there, instead of the node being in there, what if it was like a single crevasse where it was like just wide enough for one person to get through and like it was led into this huge like inside the mountain oh, kind of area? Oh my gosh. What if that was so, because it would be so hidden. You, like people would, it wouldn't be found for a long time, you know, I think the, that would be a coolest And thing that ever. was a theme uh, in the, in the stream, by the way, was they really want to make stuff that either people won't be able to get to for a long time or that are just hidden, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. And, you know, being an MMO, it's only, it can only happen so long, but with all the different factors, like this kind of stuff can actually happen in this game. And I'm, I guess my, my hope is that they can kind of take this, the outlook that they've adopted for this Northeastern part of King's Reach and take it to the other regions um, without making them all terrorists, right? <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I'm yeah. wanting to see like some real mountains. Like uh, my examples are like going from Three Rivers Village um, up to Bordenar's Cleft in Vanguard uh, or, or Steerhad even, which is a whole other, whole other thing. But, uh, or um, in, in Black Desert Online, they actually did, uh, I would say their environment so well in BDO. Um, but going through mountain ranges in BDO is actually, it feels like you're really going up into a mountain range. Like uh, I, I backpack in real life um, or you used to, um, and it encapsulates that really well. Um, so, you know, I'd, I want to see those switchbacks, you know, cut in trails up the side of the mountain, just like kind of caves and, and hidden, you know, mountain glades and just ridges and draws and just everything that makes a mountain range so mysterious. Um, yeah. and I just think there, there's so many great examples of that, but if, but if they can bring that kind of density that they're, getting mm -hmm. from the terraced sections to the rest of Terminus to fill in all those gray spaces that we see on that, you know, the, mm -hmm. the terrain map that we got a long time ago. I would be just <laughs> so impressed. Yeah. Well, and that's a good point. You know, Sparrow on stream uh, brought up a really good point. Then Joppa agreed with her saying the, the difference that making these plateau design, these sort of terrace designs, is that you can see over and uh, like through to other areas like you can now it's not like getting to the on the side of a mountain where you're just blocked you know by other mountains like this this gives your vision so much more uh you know range there's so many more things you could potentially see uh like you're saying you know seeing all these little interesting details in the environment that you maybe wouldn't have been able to see before now right. you can climb up to a uh, the first plateau and you can look and see some things and then get to the next plateau and it reveals more things like that sort of graduated you know revealing of the environment is very cool i, I would agree and I, I would say even the the cliffy stuff um that we've seen 
I would almost argue that it, it does both. It also helps occlude things as well. Uh, cause you True, can imagine, yeah, you know, going point. into one of those little kind of, uh, what would you call it? The little encapsulated sections and, you know, you could see all the cliffs from that point of view, but then it just hard blocks, you know, what's on top of the plateau, uh, that you might be mm -hmm. looking up at. Um, there's just so much possibility for hidden things. And like, I, I think that really means so much for like replayability. Um, you know, going back to the zones yeah. you've been to before. Uh, the the yeah, shots from Thronefast and Avengers Pass that we've seen in this stream, they kind of indicate that it's going to be really easy to see things and miss things <laughs> um, when you're just running around at ground, especially at ground level, right? Like if, if you can imagine uh, going at the lowest level, there's kind of like, I would almost imagine like a road. I don't know if there's actually a road, but there's a few shots that seem to be like, this is the ground level, like kind of traversal uh, area. And you would miss so much if you just stuck to that. So it is so yeah. encouraging you to explore. And I, I can't wait to see their interpretation of that gameplay philosophy translated elsewhere. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, no, it's, it's exciting, man. That's, that's what I'm here for. I love, that's the kind of content I'm here for hundred percent. Yeah. I will never get sick of stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, actually, on that kind of same note, uh, I'm, I'm really glad that they they showed this. But that that node you mentioned um, halfway up the cliff, uh, mm -hmm. I think it is. I mean, I think it's more than just like an example, right? Um, then then, hey, this is a place that you're going to go in game. Hey, surprise, you already know there's something here. Um, but I think it's more just like an example of something really important that says a lot about not only like the possibilities of you know, of hidden things or, or just hard to reach things, but more just kind of that philosophy on gathering. Um, Cause it's, it's kind of like, you know, like, huh, like what, what's that over there? Like, I wonder if I can get to it because you're going to, you know, you might see that from a quite a vantage point. Right. But then you have to mm -hmm. play the game of how do I get there? <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Just like, you know, compare that to the traditional concept of, you know, you have a harvesting loop. Right. <laughs> so mm -hmm. very different approaches to gathering, I think. Yeah. Well, you got to, I mean, challenge, right? It's in the tenets, you know, make it challenging, not just combat. Yeah. Not just everything combat. is challenging. That's right. Everything's challenging. Yeah. Well, I, I have point that out for Nafel's sake, because I'm sure he, yes. he really is trying to shake it up a bit. Um, and so starting to see for a little sure. bit of that. Right. But, uh, yep. but also dude, they showed mad run. Um, yeah. Which I, is technically a new reveal. I should have done some research into this, <laughs> but uh, I, I think it's a new reveal. But if anything, like, oh man, I I just wish I could say more about this locale. But like, I'm just really excited that this place is uh, that it is as it is. Um, yeah. So there is so, there is some information on Madron out there. Um, it's first of all, it's on that King's Reach map that we've seen, the topographical one. Um, you can see where it connects between um, Avengers Pass and uh, the Eastern Plains. Um, and then there was a, a newsletter twenty, I want to say 2019, 2020, that um, they gave a few details about it. They were talking in the context of uh, 
dungeons with multiple exit points. Oh, uh, and yeah. Mad Run was yeah. brought up as an example. So um, I used that in one of my videos a little while ago um, that uh, I actually meant to go back and look at it before we uh, started recording, but I didn't. But you're going to see it in an upcoming video that I'm doing Ooh. too, because I'm going to go back and revisit that. Nice. Nice, man. Because mm-hmm. I, I like just the, the feeling of that place. Um, and I'm sure, you know, they, they seem to like crank up the fog a little bit there, but like that stuff is probably going to be somewhat dynamic. Right. Um, and that also adds to the whole like replayability, but like now that I have this like visual of, of mad run, um, it's so mm-hmm. appropriate. Cause I'm just thinking of that, that run from thrown fast, you know, to Eastern plains or, <laughs> or vice versa, you know, at that it's going to yeah. be treacherous and it's going to be so memorable. Um, uh, maybe it's a callback to EverQuest when we did the mad run from Kinos to Freeport yep, or Freeport to Kinos. Yep. <laughs> maybe that's what this is hinting at, but, uh, it's know. so, it's just, it's so perfect already. I, I can't wait. Um, <laughs> but, uh, okay. Uh, let's just keep going. Um, so <laughs> the, uh, one thing I want to point out with the, the kind of thrown fast related concept pieces, because I know we kind of went straight to the 3d here. So I want to give a little bit of credit to um, Leo, who has an amazing name, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> the the kind of pseudo 3D blockouts, um, it really looks to me, and, and this may just be, you know, a concept that doesn't mean much, but it kind of seems like ThroneFast itself is going to be going through a lot of big changes. And um, I don't know about you, but the, the mm-hmm. do you remember the building of a city stream for, like way oh, back? Yeah, of course. Dude, that was one of my favorite Definitely. streams, right? Um, like, mm-hmm. I, we saw a lot of 3d in that, um, we saw a lot of 2d, really great 2d artwork as well, but we did see some 3d and, uh, I don't think all that's like wasted or anything, but I have this sense that a lot of the layout that we saw from years ago is also changing. Um, cause I, what, since then we we've gone zoneless, right? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but like in, in a mm-hmm. way I'm, I'm kind of glad that we didn't see the fin- finished product, uh, back then. Um, cause a lot of people were asking for it and actually I'm kind of thinking it may have like never been really finished or like built out, um, on the inside, at least, obviously we've seen the outside a lot that, you know, it's pretty staple architecture, but I don't know. I'm kind of looking forward to maybe like a building a city redux. <laughs> uh, redux. Yeah, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I mean, um, it might be kind of cool. I would, uh, Man, I loved that old one, and uh, there were so many neat things in there, especially the temples. So they, yes. they talked in that video a lot about the the temples to Coursera, which we actually heard about on this stream as well. Um, so a call back to that. But some of the other um, deities of the humans um, on Terminus, uh, we saw that. And um, I'd be curious as to see if they've... Because it was really sort of laid out. Like the design oh, was... Yeah. The market was in one place. The arches were in one place. Um, the barracks were in one place. And, you know, it was very... I liked the layout of it. So, um, yeah, if they'd show us an, an update to that, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I, I was thinking... Just thinking, like, it might be a bit of a, a troll target, right? Um, it, for the people that, like, remember how long ago that stream was. But I don't know. I think I, it would be great and... Uh, I th- the the kind of view of the inside, especially that dock area. Oh my gosh, um, I yeah. I think it would just that was be... new. We we've never seen those docks before, and that was something that um, I was excited to see in a three D rendered uh, picture because that was pretty. Uh, that was it new. felt so right. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I I mean, on that note though, about you know 
Thronefast being kind of the main city that we have seen in public releases, right? Um, I think it would just be entirely appropriate and maybe be kind of the place that they show before any other cities. Uh, like even even maybe through Alpha, depending on you know how they do the the public, you know how publicly viewable it is. But like, do you think they should maybe show Throne Fast kind of in in substitute of like maybe the other King's Reach cities for now? Uh, or um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I wouldn't say no. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I'd rather if see, they if they're I'd like, hey, by the way, we have Fairthale. Like, should we? <laughs> well, no. We've already because we've already seen. You mean Fairthale, the, the city? city. Like the actual yes, elf yes. Starting. Oh, I would choose that in a heartbeat. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I want to know where I'm going to live. This is my future home, man. I, I gotta I gotta check out the uh, the environment and what's available so I can stake my claim on a on a good house. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> well, hey, this is great because I I disagree. Uh, I I think they've shown enough thrown fast that if they showed kind of a start to finish, or at least like all the way to the end kind of a thing uh i think that would satiate a lot where keeping all the other star you know the other big cities kind of uh not public as long as possible you know (laughs) to kind of keep keep a little bit of surprise um in there i i think would be nice um yeah, you're probably right (laughs) you're probably right i think i'm just probably being greedy i i get it i get it i mean if if you are talking to someone that's maining an archive and, and we don't know anything about our <laughs> city. Like Suro is a whole question mark. Um, but, totally. uh, but yeah, a uh, really quick shout out um, on the whole staffing thing though. Uh, they actually got another hire, uh, another art hire that's not listed on the website yet. Um, Joppa mentioned their name, uh, which is Esther, uh, who is another 3d environmental artist as well. So, I'm, you know, looking forward to seeing yet yeah. another name on that very quickly growing art team, which uh, is at 10 people now. So, uh, you know, soon to be 11. Like, dude, I, I feel like literally mm-hmm. just yesterday, <laughs> it was like three people, yeah. right? It was like Jared, uh, Ross. <laughs> um, just, yeah. yeah. Steady growth, man. Steady growth. We keep saying it, but it's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's almost like, to me, it's almost verging a, a little like, a little too fast. Not, mm, not. In a, that know. sounds really I, I, negative. I don't mean that. I just mean like they're growing quite fast just, in comparison. You, yeah, you know, you're. I understand. You're just cautious. Yeah, right? everybody. You're just being mindful yeah. of it because we know the we know the industry. You know well enough. Yes, <laughs> but but about. we also know everything that they've been through, and I'm sure they've yeah, learned they a know lot it better than we do. <laughs> yeah, they know it better than we do. 100. Yeah. percent Well, okay. So there's. It's a good thing mentioned here uh, while we kind of started getting to the 3D stuff. Um, and that was the modularity side. And uh, Joppa mentioned that the Throne Fastian uh, buildings were modular. Uh, at least, you know, that's what they're talking about in the video. I'm sure they're going to translate this elsewhere. But uh, in that sense that they can use all these different combinations of walls and doors and windows and, and roofs and stuff. And I've got to say, one thing that I am always apprehensive about with modular kits um, which are, you know, pretty much industry industry standard at this point, is it's kind of an entirely different art form in itself when it comes to putting all those pieces together in a way that makes the modular builds not look like modular, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, yeah. 
Like, I think it's just really easy to tell sometimes. And, uh, and I'm sure a lot of people can think of certain games that, you know, look very much copy pasty. Um, and being that it's kind of a big gripe of a lot of people, including myself, uh, you know, like we had like Vanguard and I'm going to, I'm going to dunk on Vanguard a little bit because they literally use the same house like 30 <laughs> times in different parts of the world. Desrin is dunking on Vanguard. I know. Okay. Somebody marked oh, this on the no. calendar. Desrin is taking shots at Vanguard now. Uh, yes. I'm just, I'm <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was a big thing that's like super noticeable and, you know, I could defend why they might do that. But the truth is it, it takes away from POIs when you're like, oh, I've seen this before. Um, and I got to say what they showed from the modular kits with the, the thrown fast, uh, like residential buildings or whatever you want to call it. I thought it was pretty dang decent. Um, like I have some mm -hmm. really kind of minor gripes, uh, but, but being that th this is like super new stuff, I think it's super solid. Um, like I think like hopefully they can maybe do a bit of a decoration pass uh, later on to make them look a little bit more like built into the environment because that is something that I'm starkly aware of being a Vanguard fan. Uh, just stuff that just looks like poof, just placed right <laughs> placed. <Yeah. laughs> um, but as far as like differentiating themselves from one another, I think what they showed in the stream is a really good start. Like, showed several locations that I would say looked recognizable, but pretty unique. So good job. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I didn't, I had no complaints. I thought they were looked very uh, well put together and, and I'm looking forward to seeing how they're using them because like you say, when you do notice the repetition of an asset over and over again, it, it definitely yeah. is noticeable and takes away from the experience. Yeah, so it's good to see they're already starting on a good track there. Um, I did want to point out, uh, so th this came up, and I'm going to emphasize this probably several times, but uh, Joppa point, uh, said that, you know, they haven't even got all the bells and whistles uh, hooked up, right? Um, there's definitely still a ton of world building to do. I mean, they just hired so many people. Um, so what we have as great as it is, you know, there's still a lot to look forward to. Like he mentioned, you know, more biodiversity. Uh, we talked about the color uh, and, you know, of course, more points of interest that uh, he even, he said like, they don't want to give them all away. Right. Um, and so if you go through all this footage, you're going to find so many possible points of interest and that's just the start. And uh I, I don't know, man. I That's what's so exciting. You know, I, I'm a huge Vanguard fan because there's so much content. I have a list of all the dungeons of Vanguard. It's like 105 dungeons or, you know, major points of interest. And uh, it's a big thing for me and for open world games to have that many uh, points of interest. But also just that what we're looking at now looks great. And as Nathan put it, it looks better than we probably ever expected. Mm -hmm. But I know it's going to be better. Yeah. <laughs> Well, one of the things they said on stream was that this terracing effect that we talked about earlier actually doubled the play environment, you know, like doubled the the, the area that they can create upon. And, you know, you, you're talking about, you know, having, you know, lots of points of interest, lots of areas, lots of things to do. You know, this this is doing that with something that they're like it's integrating with the climbing mechanic that they're really oh, yeah. <laughs> leaning into so hard. So it's meeting multiple goals with with one sort of. Uh, creative effort yeah and and i think uh well i said on, on plus you i'm gonna stick to this and that i feel like what we are at at this stream is closer to final 
now versus in May, I felt like what that was was closer to start, right? So while it's really encouraging, um, both because there's obviously a lot of progress in a few months, but but also just because there's still so much that they can do moving forward visually, um, as well as obviously points of interest and in filling out the world. But, you know, they talked about, you know, some lighting effects and uh, the wet uh, clouds and various things. It's like, these are a little additions that they're going to probably be able to just keep adding. And, uh, and Pantheon's going to be a pretty good looking, <laughs> pretty good looking game, I think. Yeah, that came up on the stream on, on Plus U as well when we were talking about other games made in Unity that have a you know high graphical fidelity. And um, Tarkov was the one, yes. sort of, I guess, is the standard bearer yes. for graphical fidelity in the Unity engine. So, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, don't, I haven't played Tarkov. I can't speak to it intelligently, but I can tell you that, you know, like you're saying, the game, like Pantheon's in a good place. Yeah. It looks good. And, and it, you know? it just it's just good. another point to say, like, they're not held back by Unity, you know? Um, they are a small team, so, you know, we're not going to expect 700 developer, you know, every detail yeah. being crazy, but, like, they're doing they're a lot <laughs> with what they have. They're maximizing what they have, the resources that they have. I, th I think so. And uh, I think I'll throw, like, one last thing in here. So, uh, Steve Clover, um, Joppa did kind of mention that he had been working with them already for a bit, right? Um and had, he just kind of said, I think it was like, oh, yeah, he busted out the bank system. Uh, and, you know, they're already running down the home stretch <laughs> of the near-death system. Um, apparently, Steve has just been, like, cranking out these roadmap things. <laughs> yeah, well, on Nathan, um, Nathan Apalm did a video um, just in, in uh, the day after this. And one of the things he said in the video that I didn't pick up on the stream was that apparently um, Steve's been on the team already for quite a while and they just haven't announced it. Like this yeah. is, this is, he has, he didn't just start yesterday or the day before the stream. Like he's actually been there for a little bit already. So I'm not surprised to hear that quite a bit has been accomplished. Yeah. Yep. So we'll probably see that on the newsletter too, but okay. I, I know I'm like, <laughs> I kind of took over this, this <laughs> section. Uh, and, and we, st the, the hard thing for, for our viewers, the hard thing is this still isn't enough. I, I, <laughs> I there's so much in these streams now that, uh, this is a complimentary thing to remind you, but there's still more to discover. If you haven't checked out the stream, definitely do it. Hopefully we help you point out some things uh that you may have missed or, or something like that but uh i i almost i want to go through each piece of art each screenshot every video clip you know it's like there's just so much but uh i'll i'll, I'll leave it with this joppa quote okay because i know we have to move on <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. um joppa says the world has really started to become what terminus was meant to be and what we've always desired it to be and that awesome. is exciting. I said it. Very exciting. Yes, very exciting. Absolutely. And the hype is real, man. So I'm right there with you. So that's the VR news uh, for the week. Um, let's take a quick look at the notes. Uh, we're at the Pantheon Plus calendar here for you for the week of July 18th to the 24th to see what content we're working on and going to uh, keep everyone busy with. Uh, Midnight, of course, Drax playing EverQuest with the Midnight crew. Uh, that's on our Twitch channel at Midnight Eastern. 
Tuesday, 9 p.m., we're back to EverQuest for MMOs 101. That's our uh, our Tuesday night group, 9 p.m., on our Twitch channel. On Wednesday, <laughs> Drac, it's a, Drac is preparing for the naked gnome run. <laughs> so I don't know what that means, but he's got a video lined up. Apparently, he's making some preparations for the uh, July 25th uh, EverQuest naked gnome run that uh, he's putting on. So that'll be fun. Thursday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, Sparrow is streaming some classic WoW on her Twitch channel. And uh, 9 o'clock red, uh, on Friday, Redbeard Flynn is uh, doing a piece about Monsters and Memories. That's another yeah. MMO that's in development that's very classically spirited and uh, done by some experienced developers. So uh, he's looking into that game. Sparrow will be back streaming Friday evening uh, on her Twitch channel playing some P99. And, uh, of course, Nathan Napalm and Cringe Pony TV is doing their Saturday night late night MMO show. That's 11 p.m. Uh, Central, midnight Eastern uh on his YouTube channel. And uh, yeah, that's it for the week of the July 18th to the 24th. And it's not on the calendar, but there may be another surprise coming this week that we've hinted at before. And I'll just say this, if you're not subscribed on YouTube to Man of Rohan, uh, his channel, you might want to do so now and you might want to turn on notifications because that's where this little surprise is going to be showing up first. Oh, so yeah. there will be a link to his channel in the video description and the show notes. And that's all I'll say about that because I don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. <laughs> but that is it for this week's VR news and notes. When the Pantheon community speaks, we listen. So let's dig into the forums and fan projects to see what the discussion's all about. All right, so because uh, I <laughs> kind of dwelled on that first section yeah, a bit long, uh, we're, we're going to hit a really quick uh, community discussion. And I say really quick, um, but yeah, you'll see. We're going to have to save our spotlight for next week, uh, which you know I'm sure there's going to be tons of stuff in that episode as well um but i just i didn't want to skimp out on all these sections so i'm pulling a bit of a philosophical one here uh just because i think it ties a little bit into the stream um and uh you know we never take too long in philosophical discussions right <laughs> yeah a quick a quick philosophical debate is that even a thing can you do that <laughs> is that even possible it sounds like a paradox to me. yep yeah I've, i expect to fail um but uh this post is going to be <laughs> from the uh it's on the forums and this is from a community member i, I mean so it's actually like community manager because uh, this is from kilson um and he he asks you know what matters most the ability to select your own path or the journey um you know explain your answer uh dude <laughs> I, I'm gonna get right to the responses just because we're gonna have to. <laughs> we're gonna have to. Yeah. Well, let's let's feature the community here instead of exactly our, <laughs> instead of our ideas. exactly. So let's start with dispose list, and this is uh, saying the choice means nothing if the journey is lacking. So the journey, I suppose. But I have to say, choice is part of any good journey, and a journey with no choices quickly becomes stale. Having said that, choices on a journey are way more than just Picking a path, I suppose. Uh, picking a path well is that really is that really a choice? Do you think? <laughs> oh boy! Uh, well, let's, let's just say good and evil. Let's just say good and evil. So you, there's like a good <laughs> version of the game, evil version of the game. Is that is that a choice? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Everybody makes a choice. Uh, it's the the question is whether those choices, whether you see the results of those choices or whether they are just what they are. And you would never know if the other choice had made a difference. True. Okay. Okay. Then uh, let's, let's get to uh Sareem, who says choice, in my opinion, followed uh, following a forced path because there is no choice might still be fun, but that's essentially playing on rails. 
I'd rather have the choice to go where I want and take on risks by choosing the more dangerous route or avoiding it if I feel like it. So uh, the a bit of risk as the choice. So, you know, you might have a bit of a outline journey. I say good and evil because I'm thinking of EverQuest 2 for some reason. You know, you have your like good side, <laughs> evil side. It's very straightforward. Um, but technically, they are different journeys. Um, uh, and eventually they kind of merge up. We don't need to talk about that. But uh, the ability to choose your danger, I thought was very interesting here. Um, because And see, this is, yeah, sorry. I oh no, I, I was just gonna say, because I actually feel this in a lot of games um, that, I, I don't wanna say just level scaled games, but a lot of games, I find myself never being able to find a challenge because the challenge has already been like set to be either completely impossible or too easy. And I feel this so much nowadays. So this answer was, it hit me. <laughs> yeah. You took the words out of my oh, mouth. I'm That's sorry. exactly what I was going to say. No, I just don't feel like we're given, we're not given the option to choose the dangerous path very, very often anymore. Oh. Um, I think, I think a lot of companies and game development outfits, you know, especially AAA, ti- AAA titles from big companies have taken the mentality of, danger hurts uh hurts us danger players dying and players feeling uh frustrated by you know something that forces them to push their limits a little bit isn't good for our mm. sales you know elden ring accepted <laughs> Dark Souls in general ex- as the exception obviously but they have that reputation and they can get away with it but yeah choice is not something that we're given a lot of these yeah days. well uh Let's go with uh, let's go with Vandrad here. So Vandrad says choosing a path is preferable to being forced onto one because nothing else exists. Uh, I've never played a game where the path the game developers railroad me onto ended up being better than the one I made myself. Oh, that was uh, really good. Yeah, one of the, <laughs> the, yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's uh, one of those instances of um, sometimes the the desire is to create this really well-crafted story. But to do that, it's got to be very, um, the guardrails have to be very close to you for it to play out the way they see it playing out or they want it to play out. And this is what I'm actually experiencing this right now a little bit because I've reinstalled our, uh, ESO. And the quests, I mean, the writing is, you know, pretty good, but the quests are very um, straightforward because they really want you to experience it the way it's designed. Right. So you don't really get like, you don't get that freedom to, uh, what if I don't want to help this person in town, do I get an option to murder them? You know, (laughs) why am I not given that option? You know? Yes. I I think, uh, I'm actually thinking back to, I think it was last week's episode when we're trying to like, how do you explain an MMO to a non gamer? Yeah. yeah. And what this answer makes me think of that, you know, I've never played a game where the path, the game developers real rode me into ended up being better than the one I made myself. It makes me think, Mm I, instead of, like, I don't want to play an MMO to just have a singular path. Um, I would rather watch a movie uh, because it's the same thing, right? You know what's, like, you know, usually moves are fairly predictable, but it's it's a linear path. You're on it and you, there's no wiggle room, but I enjoy movies, Mm -hmm. not to say that's not a bad thing, but if I'm playing an MMO... Yeah, I'm quite the opposite. You know, I, I want to choose my own path because, yes, uh, actually, let me, I know we're kind of getting a little philosophical, but Thunderleg kind of takes it to another level, and I just <laughs> got to say this. And Thunderleg says, if choosing a path is not illusory, 
then the journey offers a revelation of self. Um, well, you got to read that. That's why okay. we got to read like so, three times to really sink okay. in because it's very. It's deep. true. Um, and, and this is like the whole post too, which is beautiful. But uh, it says, if choosing a path is not illusory, then the journey offers a revelation of self. As in, if the, mm. if the path that you're choosing is not obvious, you know, if you, if you don't know you're on a road, then yeah. the journey can still give some sort of revelation of self. Um, it tells you about, it tells you about yourself. It tells you about who you are and where you, what's important to you when you look back at the path you chose, because it was, you made those decisions based on some sort of internal values, some sort of, you know, mindset beliefs. Um, and, you know, when you aren't allowed to create that path based on those, it's, you know, you're, you're limiting what you can, what kind of discoveries you can make in both internal and external. And again, we're getting, (laughs) but it's like, you know, I, I, I get it, man. Like I totally get it. I've played games where I look back on the, the, how it played out. Um, when I had choices, real choices to make, and I'm like, um, like some of the super giant games, like Pyre is a good example. You make tons of choices in that game. And I look back and I'm like, I know why I made that choice. And I, I understand more about myself as a result. Mm. So I think that's what Thunder Lake's getting at. Yeah, that's, that was a, that was a killer one, Thunder Lake. Um, and now we get to, uh, you know, regulars. Uh, I think most of these folks are regulars, but <laughs> hey, you know, if you post on the forums this much, like you're probably going to get on the show. But uh, Dorotea, uh, another regular, they kind of seem to be a, maybe a little bit on both sides. Um, so they say, I far prefer having choices. Doing the same zone in the same order for the same reasons gets old fast, uh, especially for an altaholic. Uh, but then they say, I have played really crappy sandbox games and well done playing on Rails games. A good game, a good journey matters more than having choices. So it, it's it's a bit of both. It, uh, to me, it sounds like, like, oh man, if you're doing the same thing over and over again for Altaholics, it it's really bad. And I, I despise this about, you know, <laughs> I hate redoing stuff. Well, but if each alt has its own particular path, you know, even if it's just like this class does this, this class does this, it at least helps, I think is what's kind of being yeah. said. When you get out of the MMO space and into like more narrative story driven games, that's what they should be doing. They should be very much a straight line. If they're trying to tell a story that do that, you know, I'm thinking of like, you know, there's a lot of games that are very like, um, you know, Tomb Raider or like the Uncharted oh, yeah. games or like these very narrative cinematic type of games. It's like watching a movie. You know what you're getting and that's what you want. I don't want choices in those games. I want to be told a cool, exciting story and, you know, I'm the character playing it out. MMOs are a different breed, right? They're a different type of game and we're not, we're being given a world. And if your world has no choices, that's, that's a problem. Yeah. Yep. Uh, then we'll get to uh, Dagny Stout here um, saying, I'll add that I prefer games where the paths we choose do not all end up in the same destination. Uh, That's what makes the journey interesting to me, especially when we talk to others who have chosen a different path. It seems that too many games offer the illusion of choice, but at the end of the day, everyone ends up with the same reward, same item, etc. I realize that can be a turnoff for some people, but like someone said earlier, that's what alts are for. So, how often like this is just so poignant because it's like a lot of times in these games you can feel like you're making choices at first but then you always end up at the same end game you're always doing the same thing <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, it's it's I you know, and as soon as I realize I'm on that, I'm playing that kind of a game, I usually stop. To be honest, I with you. I think so too. I, I really, do, I I don't continue. You know, a lot of those types of games, and because I I don't feel like I have any agency. You know, again, if I know what I'm getting, that's different. But when a game says, you know. Yeah, you know, the path is yours to choose and your choices will matter. And when I realize that they actually don't, then I just I Right, give up. right. And that's kind of what I alluded to with like the EQ2 thing starting, you know, good and evil that have very distinct, you know, different zones, different quests, etc. Factions totally different. But then by the end of the game, everyone's working together. We're all doing the same raids. We're doing the same. It's literally just all, everyone's together and the same. So why does it even matter that you chose one or the other? Um Takes a lot of the wind out of the sails there. Um, now, so, okay, there's actually a lot more responses, but uh, I'm just going to take a long one for the last <laughs> uh, so we can get get through this real quick. But it, it's a good one. It's a good one. And this one's from Jobson. Uh, I'm going to read the whole thing, so it's, it's just going to take a second. Uh, Jobson says, I will pick selecting your own path, I guess, <laughs> because you got to live with your choices and move on. Uh, no do-over buttons for the sake of a forced journey. Uh, if you're known, if you are a known murder hobo, you can't be hailed as a hero because the quest demands it. If you leveled up as an ogre, you can't just race swap to be a human. If you spent all your time grinding in a dungeon, there'll be plenty of people who see you as a nobody. If you put a hundred hours into mastering defensive abilities, you can't just flip to offensive. I don't want to be taking the exact same path as every other person or person of the same class. I don't want to be in a group of a thousand chosen ones for the sake of the journey. I don't want everyone to be flavor of the month clones because the class journey wants everyone to overcome the same obstacles. I want choices to have consequences. Hmm. So this is about yeah, the well path said. that is irreversible. <laughs> mm hmm. Yep. That's really well said. I mean, there's a little bit in there in terms of like, you know, too many choices lead to, you know, it's, it's again, it's a sort of a paradox a little bit. Too many choices lead to the same outcomes. If, if anybody can just flip classes, races, right. skills, you know, then we all lead to the same place. But that's giving the player too many choices in that scenario. So it's not always about like having unlimited choices. You know, it's about um, it's about making the weight of the choices uh, creative oh sorry yeah exactly and and making those choices fit into the what the game's trying to accomplish yeah and and while also respecting the player's uh, agency yeah yep uh i think the example that pops into my head that is a little bit good a little bit bad here is uh mortal online 2 because you technically only have one character uh and you cannot do everything, that's for sure. <laughs> and uh, in fact, you, you can't even really do, you, you really have to find your slice uh, in that game of what your character is going to be. And you are disadvantaged in all the other things. And I found that to be very novel in the MMORPG genre because there's more that you can't do than you can. And while in Mortal, you can change your, like you can change your stats, you can lower one, increase another, there's always this trade-off and, and you can't do it quickly. <laughs> uh, like none of the skills of that game are just like, oh yeah, flip it off. Like I think of, uh, oh gosh, I'm thinking of EQ2 too much, but they added this thing where uh, you could just go to your house and you have all these like preset AA builds and you could just like switch to a new 
AA build. And then eventually they just made it so you could do it on the spot as well. Um, and it took a lot of the weight away. Like you are no longer, I no longer have to be a, a turtle spec uh, druid because that, that's what I was a long time ago. Um, I could be turtle spec and then I could switch over to melee spec and then I could switch over to, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, and this isn't to say that the uh, LAS loadout changes are like this. I'm more comparing to the overall build. Like I would love it if in Pantheon we get to a point where you actually have a little bit of differing play in a sense that it might even make conflict with like factions, for example, like, Oh, you are this faction with this, you know, group. I'm the opposite. Uh, like, how are we going to figure this out? Or do we find a new area to go? Or, you know, that kind of weight, I think, makes your character feel so much more unique um, in spite of probably not, quote, feeling good, right? <laughs> um, so yeah. that uh, that's yeah. definitely the side mm-hmm. I lean on is, like, I, I don't care if I can gimp myself <laughs> I value the the uniqueness of the journey. I think uh, the or the the choice having weight um, more than it all works out in the end. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely right for sure. I agree. Well, uh, that was a lot of soapboxing. Um, so i <laughs> I think it's time we get into some uh, really really cool stuff. Just to finish it out on a super high note. Um, so thank you everyone for sticking around and that has been the community discussion sit back and relax it's time for the lore you know all right last week we started tales from the fire part one and that features Thalen Greyborn traversing a rock face in a place we've come to know as the dead storm valley on the continent of rainfall like a spider her movements are deliberate and precise She's blindfolded, and she's recalling the teachings as she relies on her senses to navigate the cliff. We learn the Deadstorm Valley is a place of violent tempests most times, yet on this occasion, the skies are calm. As we pick up the story, Thalen lands on a rocky outcropping, lamenting this fact, and we learn that she's not there for exploration, but rather to hunt. So, listen along to the words of J.N. Gerhardt, Pantheon's lead writer, in this week's lore segment. Thalen felt the stark clarity of the night sky unnerving, in part because it was so uncommon. It was as if the darkness knew she wanted it to rage, and so it dispersed with its namesake malevolence. The serenity of the stillness was quite beautiful, and she nearly spit at the ground over it. On nights like this in Fairthale, the Adidim of Alos would have priests and civilians alike gathered at the bow of its towering height, their eyes like chalices for drinking in the night sky their feet swinging recklessly over the edge of the temple's bow. But Thalen was not a priest. Her garments were made for war and not for worship. To her, the night was infidelitous, for being serene. She wanted its howl and drear spread across the cliffs over the valley like a dirty old cloak. She wanted the wind to scream and for her prey to think no one was mad enough to knock upon their door in a tempest such as this. Because Thalen was just that mad. She loosened the knots that held the bundle of gear against her back. Out came a chest plate, thin and intimately fitted for her form, with matching sets of greaves for her arms and shins, a more suitable pair of boots, and two curved swords. The armor was minimal and made to be fastened with the same wrappings it was carried in. 
The metal was light in weight and dull in finish, forged to enhance her swiftness and rely on her alacrity to evade direct blows. Thalen cinched on the breastplate and arm guards, sheathing one sword against the outside of each thigh. She slipped her thin boots inside a pair of thicker leather ones with heavier soles. The shin coverings slid on last and she bundled the remaining wrappings in a knot at the end of the dangling cord. Thalen was ready to enter the valley. She gripped the wall and hesitated, her throat dry from so many quick, heavy breaths. Just before she started to climb down, she heard a voice that slowed her heart and mind. Father? Are there no good rogues? I suppose there are some. Mother says there are none. She descended the last few stories down the cliffside, onto the surface of the Deadstorm Valley. As she started to run, the old, crusted earth popped beneath her feet. Why do you want to be a rogue, child? I want to punish evil for hurting the good. You want to make evil afraid? Yes. Yes, I do. The hair on Thalen's neck was now dry. The hair on her hand was beginning to stand. A shrill gust kicked up dirt and she raised her forearm to shield against it. And do you want to help the good find success as well? Yes, of course. Good. The gusts forced her to slow her pace. As she did, a shadow stretched across the uneven ground, swift as a hand to choke the light of the moons. Can a rogue do both those things? They cannot. More shadows snaked toward Thalen, these with volume and rotation. She felt the ground tremble as the gust that had kicked up into her face became a true wind, then swelled into a gale. It rose and began to twist picking up more of the dust-laden ground as well as rocks and bits of bone. This debris swirled about Thalen and pelted her arms, head, and chest. She found it difficult to see, even harder to move. A crack of thunder echoed off the cliffs, and Thalen braced for the coming storm. Abruptly, the wind ceased. Thalen lowered her arm and looked around, her offhand finding the stone hilt of a sword. Surrounding her, were twenty or more creatures with yellow eyes and twisting, shadow-like skin. Nightmarish was their appearance, but ordered was their assembly as they created an oblong corridor around Thalen and the path ahead. These were called the Children of the Valley, though nothing of their appearance was like that of a child. Their bodies had no muscle, no hair, and were instead an unstable shifting form. Their flesh was not tissue. Their skin was black, inky vapor, an anthropomorphic raiment that was ever swirling. This was the origination of the name the Stormclothed, used chiefly by the Throne Fastians and so-called because the tempest of their outer lair never rests. The term Stormcloth has become universal when describing their bodies. The limbs of a child of the valley could be four, five, or six in number, long and oddly bent, possessing long forearms that extended beyond the joint of the elbow. Their fingers were thin, Yet, the hand would often transform into a blade for cutting, a pike for stabbing, or a club for bludgeoning. Some even mastered a whip-like snare with their appendages. Their legs fell in line with this macabre design, bending with a low knee and capable of extending to great height. The head was centered around two large, sickly and glowing eyes that drew back along their head. The head that pulled back and pointed from the rear of what ought to have been a skull Nowhere else on Terminus have the beasts been found, 
and only in the dead storm valley would their unsettling form seem appropriate and at home. The enclosure they formed around Thalen gave her space to react if attacked, but they showed no interest in anything more than detaining her. Then one stepped out from the head of the ring, and each child's face turned toward him in unison. His outline was taller than the already sizable children, his shoulders unnaturally broad with vapors of twisting clouds emanating like thorns, shifting as if controlled by a wind under his own control. His storm cloth moved in a calm yet heavy pattern, falling into a thick mist that reached across the earth and crackled with small shocks of light. His arms wore sleeves of smoke, posed in a manner that suggested far greater intelligence than the obediently silent children. His head was a rounded spire of storm cloth, a volute that might have been more fitting on a priest than a creature such as this. His movements were slow and deliberate, carrying a grace that contrasted with the tempest of his attire. His face was a void, save for two yellow eyes that swirled like balls of flame. This was the host of the valley. Why have you returned? The host asked Thalen, his voice rippling with echoes of itself. The elf could feel his words through her feet, vibrating bits of rock with haunting amplification. The host brought his hands together, awaiting a reply. Thalen pulled her feet together to face him. Her posture softened, her breathing did not. She clung to the burning spheres of flame in his face with her own gaze. To claim what is mine. The host turned his face away, yellow eyes disappearing entirely. His head began to shift from the featureless swirling void to that of a pale white face. The storm cloth grew and fell like long white hair around the cheeks of this new face, extending down to the ground like tranquil waterfalls. Thalen's throat constricted, but her body betrayed nothing. She knew that face, handsome, elven, in pain, a pain she shared. The host was wearing Thalen's pain as the face of someone she once knew. Nothing is ours to own, the host spoke through the face, eyes black and empty. Nothing is ours to give. Thalen's cheeks heated as the creature continued to pace, her feet refusing the order of her hands to fly toward the host with blades drawn. The host of the valley removed his head as if it were merely a bowl set on a table and held it in one hand. What have you brought us as purchase? He asked. I told you I have already paid, Thalen shouted, her outcry ripping across the expanse. The host paused for a moment. The face she knew filled with sorrow, though the host's silhouette was completely still. The face began to hum a song, the tune of a children's fable popular in Fairthale. Thalen froze as it reached inside her ear, familiar and almost reassuring. She did not wince or look away as a tear fell from her eye, yet the host drew a hand over the face she knew. Why have you returned? The host repeated his first words to her. To claim what is mine. Thalen replied evenly. Have you brought what we seek? Thalen's rage withdrew behind the coverings over her face. Her eyes darted from the face she knew to the host and held it and back again. I have not, she answered. It does not exist. The face she knew was swallowed over in storm cloth and the vacant head returned to the host's shoulders. His burning yellow eyes retreated into his head and there returned in their place two spheres crimson and polished like rare jewels. What have you to tell us about existence, elf? 
His voice deepened, the echoes now smaller. Your kind did not exist on Athazul until a millennia ago. You were destitute of knowledge as to how you came. Thalen swallowed, and her hands embraced the handle of each sword as if they were rocks she hung on from the cliff. Until you find that which does not exist, you are unwelcome here. After a moment, the host turned away, this swirling figure disappearing into the ring of children around Thalen, like a shadow fading in the darkness behind a setting sun. His final words cracked through the clouds. On that day, you shall have your purchase. And that is the lore you know. Oof, there we go. 110 episodes done. Desrin, are you uh, are you exhausted? That was a that long was time. a long one. Uh, thanks for humoring me. There were several times where I'm like, nah, okay, let's just do it. Let's just do it. <laughs> yeah, you, you were committed at yep. that point. You, you you couldn't. There was no there was no going back at that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just uh, remember everybody, if you enjoy our content, you can support Pantheon Plus um, by subscribing on our YouTube and Twitch channels. Uh, you can join our Discord for more Pantheon conversations and you know all the rest. So advertising is not my strong suit. <laughs> so we rely on, on a lot of word of mouth to keep this community going and uh, have fun. So uh, we've gone long today. So I'll just say with that, cheers and thanks for joining us today. Farewell. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Pantheon Plus is not affiliated with Visionary Realms. Be sure to check out our Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube channels under the name Pantheon Plus. You can follow Theric at Pantheon Theric on Twitter and Desrin at Desrin Does also on Twitter. And you can stay up to date with all things Pantheon at www.pantheon.plus. Until next time, cheers and thanks for listening.